Welcome to Employee Buzz, a podcast about reaching, engaging, and motivating employees. In each episode, you'll join experts as they explore the best ways to communicate with today's workforce. Plus, we'll play games and have some fun. Step right up. Here's your host, Alyssa Zeff. Hi, everybody. I am Alyssa Zeff, your live music-loving Starbucks enthusiast who is also fluent in sarcasm. I'm here with Sam Viscomi, a manager here at Davis & Company. Sam is an ultimate Frisbee champion, proud dad of his cat, Blaze, and also fluent in sarcasm. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. Was that sarcasm? No. (laughs) No sarcasm on the spot? No. Okay. All right. Today, Sam and I are going to talk about how to make employee communication measurement easy. All right, Sam, let's start with why. Why is measurement important? Measuring employee communication is important to communicators because it does two things. First, it tells you what preferences employees have in communication, and also it tells you how your current communication system is working and what you need to do to improve it. That makes a lot of sense. So, We know any external facing company right now with consumers is not doing anything that isn't data driven. Right. And companies need to think about their employees the same way. And if you need your employees to do something or act differently, then you need to understand what motivates them and then you need to understand how to reach them. Okay. Just a quick overview. When we say employee communication measurement, what are the types of things that we're talking about? Well, that could be a wide range of things, including surveys, focus groups, interviews, vehicle assessment, and also intranet and email metrics. I think what's also interesting are some surprising places where you can measure and get useful information. So if you analyze or read all the comments on your social media within your organization, or if you analyze the questions that are asked at meetings and town halls to look for themes, it gives you an idea of what's on people's minds. In our experience, a lot of our clients don't do that, though. We sit in the meetings early on, and everybody talks about how important measurement is, but then it doesn't happen. What do you think happens? What gets in the way? I think there are many factors that get in the way, including limited time and budget, not feeling confident in measurement skills, not seeing the value in measuring, and one of the biggest ones is not having support from leadership. It makes a lot of sense. I, we hear that a lot. Another thing we hear a lot about is survey fatigue. We can't do another survey. Our employees have too many surveys already. I think it's so top of mind until it comes to having to do it. And then they've got so many other things going on that it becomes the easiest thing to fall to the bottom of the list. So what can we do about that? How can we get over some of these things? What are our, some ways our listeners can start measuring right now? Well, it depends on what the issue is getting in your way. So if you have limited budget, you can interview key people like managers. Managers are good people to interview because they have a good pulse on what's going on in the organization in dealing with lower level employees as well as leaders. If you have limited time, you can conduct a quick survey, especially if you host or hold big meetings throughout the year. You can throw a survey after the big meeting to see what's working well in the meeting and what you can improve for the future. Building on that, and going back to what I said about survey fatigue, when people are like, oh, there's too many surveys in our organization, 
you don't necessarily have to do a survey with everybody in the organization. You know, that's what we call a census survey. It can be a sample survey, which will still give you very useful data, but you can sort of pick and choose your survey strategy so that employees aren't overwhelmed by surveys, but you're still getting information that can help you with your program. So I'm sure you've seen your fair share of mistakes that our clients make or companies make, not necessarily our clients. Is there one that stands out? There's one that stands out. A few years ago, we worked with a client who new CEO was announced and the CEO wanted to know what was happening around the organization. So he put out seven questions, open-ended questions to the entire organization. And the big problem was that it wasn't specific questions. It was very vague questions that got thousands of different answers and analyzing that data took way too much time. So and it was probably all over the place, so it wasn't really useful data. Right. I mean, I think one of the key things in measurement is specificity, as you're saying, and consistency. So if I ask 10 people the same question, same exact question, with specific choices, or even if it's open-ended, force them to really narrow down their open-ended, it gives me an idea of how the entire organization or how that sample feels about a specific topic versus just, hey, what's on your mind today? which at any given moment could be something different depending on the time of day and the employee. I have a funny story to share related to one of my measurement pet peeves. The advice is don't fall into the anecdotal trap, which is, oh, I heard in the hallway that people are upset about this and therefore we have to change everything that we're doing related to this. And one of our clients almost fell into that anecdotal trap and had heard she runs sales communication, and had heard that the sales force was receiving too many emails and asked us to help address it. You know, how could we get at the information, what kind of focus groups or, or something? And, and we said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you fall into the trap of people getting too many emails, why don't you get some data on that? Like find out how many emails they're actually getting. Mm -hmm. So she did a little research. And it turns out that the sales force was getting an average of seven emails a week. Seven emails a week. I get seven emails a minute. Now, I recognize everybody has their own threshold for what is too many emails. But it was a good example of, well, don't let that hallway chatter because one person felt like that day they got a lot of emails and you have to change your entire communication strategy just because of something you heard in the hallway. So we've talked a bit about how to measure. What do you do with the data once you have it? Well, it depends on when and what you've measured about. So if you measure at the end of the fiscal year, then you can plan for your next year on how to communicate. If you've conducted research in the past already, you can compare your results and see what else you need to improve. And if you've asked about specific things like email or a newsletter, et cetera, then you can plan how to improve that thing in the future. Something that I would add to that, a lot of times our clients have trouble, what they would say, getting a seat at the table, that getting communication to be a valued function. So data is essential to get additional funding for what you need, to make sure that communication is appropriately resourced with staff. And so we often help our clients use this data to make the case for a stronger internal communication program. As we wrap up, 
if there is one piece of advice you would share with our listeners, what would it be? It would be to make sure that they have the leader buy-in to actually use the data after measuring. Otherwise, there's real no point to measuring unless a leader says, yes, we will act on those things once you learn about them. Great. Thank you very much. Sam, thanks for joining me today. I hope our listeners learn some new ways to start measuring their communication. Now it is time to spin the wheel of games. Here we go. Sam, give it a big spin. Today we are going to play Word Association. Pretty simple game, but under pressure can get tripped up very easily. It's just exactly what it sounds like. You say a word, I say the first word that comes to my mind, back and forth, back and forth, until so we can't think of a word. With, with no swearing. <laughs> no swearing. Any other rules that we need to, any other, gra- how about, are we, can we use names? Yeah, names. I, I just mean when I mess up, no swearing. Oh, <laughs> oh I can't use a swear word. <laughs> this might end very quickly. <laughs> All right, you start. You go first, think of a word. Banana. Peel. <laughs> I think I won that round. <laughs> okay, I'll go ever. first. I'll go first. Clock. Tick. Time. Bomb. Explode. Plane. Oh, God. That's really dark. <laughs> Not sure that one's going to make the cut. <laughs> Let's do this round again. I'll start. <laughs> Eraser. Pencil. Pen. Marker. Board. Game. Play. Fun. Sad. Happy. Sad. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I went from fun to sad to happy to sad again. I'm really in a good mood, I swear. Okay. That's one one, right? I yeah. Okay. Unless the the other one's not counting. You go ahead. Sun. Moon. Earth. Stars. Space. Time. Aliens. Armageddon. Movie. Screen. Nope. (laughs) Okay. Two, one. Let's make this one the last one. Ready? Yeah, go for it. Light. Coffee. Caffeine. Starbucks. Chain. People. Earth. Happy. Sad. Fun. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Two, two, tie. We'll end in a tie. Sam, thank you again for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. And sad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Employee Buzz, where practical advice meets fun. If you like what you're hearing, go to your podcast platform, iTunes, Podbeam, Stitcher, or Google Play to rate and review.